Yes, yes, yes. Hello, hello, hello. Back again. Uh, yeah, um, form some pieces. Yeah. So you're not gonna introduce yourself. I'm just doing the question. I'm just getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> what into it? Yeah, I'm trying to say. But yeah, um, yeah. My name is. It's your boy Sam. It's your guy Hobbs. It's your girl Tiwa. Yeah, I've got, got a special guest. Oh yeah, yeah another special good. guest. Another special guest. Um, we haven't got the other two pieces, unfortunately. Um, they're not with us right now, but wishing the best. Um, yeah. So it's your girl Tiwa. Mm. Yeah. T-Y. Well, what, what do you go by, Tiwa? Can I ask? Tiwa. Yeah, is it just Tiwa or is it like? Well, my full name is Tiwa Lola. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <on your back. laughs> um, but yeah, most people just call me Tiwa for short. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But okay. I like both, to be very honest. What I don't like is when people are like, "Oh, Tiwa, like Tiwa Savage." Like, no. <laughs> wow. Really? It, it I, like a compliment. It is. Yeah, but no. I'm just <laughs> like, I'm not Tiwa Savage. Like, it's Tiwa, like Tiwa. Like, you're you. Full stop. Yeah. 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 You know? okay. you're, you're, you're the only Tiwa <laughs> in the world, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <literally>. <laughs> Even in that. Ah, <laughs> uh, so then, so then, um, what exactly do you do, if I can ask? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm a confidence coach, and uh, and a speaker, and a podcast host, and um, yeah, I'm the founder of Confident and Killing It. Confident and Killing It is basically like a community, like a self love revolution that wakes women up to their worth, so that they can really Absolutely. be confident and unstoppable, and just live the life that they truly desire. So yeah, that's yeah. like really my mission in life to really empower women so they can start making their own choices and live life on their own terms. Absolutely. Wow. Um, what made you get into the um, lifestyle of coach, picking the coaching lifestyle? Um, because I was like volunteering as a youth leader. So like uh, a couple of years ago, I was in a job that I absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's more to my life than being stuck in a job that I hate. Okay. There has to be. And so I started volunteering as a youth leader and then that went really well. Like I was like mentoring the young girls and like helping them with life. And I saw all of them had confidence issues. Okay, cool. And I remember when I was 16, I didn't love myself. I wasn't feeling confident. And I was like, here we are again, another generation of young girls growing up, not loving and believing in themselves. Like yeah. this is not okay. Mm-hmm. So I literally just um, started making like videos on Instagram about how important it is to love and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. This was back in like 2016. Okay, cool. um, and then after, videos went to more videos and then i started doing in-person events in like lagos london new york south africa and then i was like actually yeah why don't i try this coaching thing because so many people kept on asking me for advice Mm -hmm. so i was like let me just try this coaching thing and then it worked out really well so just to clarify just to clarify you said you went to south africa lagos you, all paid for New York as well. Yeah. So okay. So I live Just in London. Drop it down, man. <laughs> drop it down. Come on. So okay. So London, I put on an event. So mm-hmm. like, I I sold tickets for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Nigerian, so my family live in Nigeria. So I was there over summer, and I decided to put on an event because i was like yeah why not let me just try it out and see so that was actually my first event in lagos and 200 girls signed up and i was only expecting like 30 yeah so that made me really like motivated because like wow it showed me that there's really demand for what i was doing Yeah. yeah and then south africa i was actually there on a work trip 
Um, so my my old company paid for that. But then I reached out to Oprah Winfrey School in Johannesburg and told them that I was coming and I would love to speak to the girls. And they were like, yeah, like, we love your work. Come on through. So they picked me up from the airport, took me to the school. I spoke to the girls and then they took me back to the airport. And then I took a flight from Joburg to Cape Town for my work trip. So that worked out really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I use opportunities yeah and like let's say so New York I went I was there on holiday and then everywhere I go I would look out for people who did something similar to me and mm. reach out to them I say like do you want to collaborate let's do an event together you get your community and I'll show up and speak to them yeah so that's how I grew the brand in the early days through collaborations and just like yeah, reaching out to people who are already doing cool things because I didn't I didn't have communities in all these different countries, mm-hmm. but that's not really important. It's about finding somebody who does and then collaborating with yeah. them. Yeah. Was there was there a fear when like when you first went out to like say the different countries and then on top of that reaching out to different people as well? Was it like because you felt like within yourself I'm here to empower? There wasn't really any initial fear. No, not really. I think one of the th- what well what I was actually more afraid of was posting videos on Instagram. Oh. Yeah, that for me was quite scary because people knew me as like, you know, a fun, fun going girl, like things like that. And yeah, I was quite a positive person, but to come out and be like, um, I don't want to use the word motivational speaker, but mm. basically to come out and be talking about female empowerment and self-love and like more in-depth topics mm-hmm. was quite new. So I was kind of afraid, like, oh my gosh, what if people think this is cringe? What if they judge me? What if they laugh? Mm-hmm. Like my negative thoughts, the day I posted my first video on Instagram, like my negative thoughts were on overdrive <laughs> and like all sorts of things. Like, I don't know if guys get this, but for girls, it was like, oh, your skin is clear enough for you to be on camera like you need to your voice isn't like video enough like you know so like all of these things were like like swirling around in my head but i had to remind myself that the message in me like the message i wanted to bring to the world was more important than the fear i was feeling Mm. and so that's what i used to overcome my fear i have to always tell myself like the message in me is so much more important so i feel like confidence is gonna be topic topic of of today really because i feel like confidence isn't like there's people that I know that are confident, like in different areas of their life, but they don't have to translate that. So, it, kind of what I want to ask you, kind of thing, is what is confidence to you? Like, what would you define that as? Mm. Confidence is a practice. First, first things first. It's not you don't just wake up one day and you're like, yes, I'm flawless, I'm confident, you and think? then yeah, yeah of course, no one's more. born with confidence. Don't you? I, do I disagree with that though? Because it's like this. There's t- people are naturally confident in certain areas that good speakers that are naturally born as good speakers. You know that, what I mean? I, it's not natural. They are intentional about doing those things. So I'm confident as a speaker because I speak a lot. Mm. That's practice, right? I'm confident in things because I do those things a lot. Essentially, that's practice. I didn't just wake up one day and I was like, boom, and I'm an amazing speaker and I'm super <laughs> confident at it. No, yeah. I had to practice and then I became confident at the thing. So for me, confidence is an in-depth belief in yourself and in your abilities. It's about believing that you have something great to offer the world and you're going to be unapologetic about it. That's what confidence really means to me. And not being afraid to share that with the world because there's some people who know they're brilliant but they're so afraid of what other people think of them that they don't put themselves out there so you would never Mm. actually know so for me confidence is knowing your greatness and not being afraid to show that greatness and use it for something positive 
Do you think confidence also means that you've got to know your weakness as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like I always say, like if you don't know your weaknesses, like or and learn how to manage them, they will literally start managing you, and that's not what you want. Mad. You want to be able to know okay this is these are what my strengths are these are what my weaknesses are and then you are aware of when your weaknesses start to play out and you can catch them if you're not awake to your weaknesses you can be living on autopilot and have no idea that you're basically sabotaging yourself yeah that's crazy that's crazy because these times i've I've got a stutter in it i've got a stutter so that's a one thing. <laughs> Why are you mocking the accent? Oh my days. I've got a start. I got a start. Oh, I'm a, hey. I right, listen, listen, you're a guessy, you know. Oh, <laughs> hey. the podcast, you know. Come on. But um, yeah. Wait, what's wrong with what? Is it an accent that I said it in? Yeah, it's just the way you said it. Do you know it. what? I've been, I've been told this at work uh, that I've got like a bit of a cockney accent. Yeah. You think. know when like... Wait, you when, think? Yeah. I've been told at work and everywhere yeah, I go. Well, do you I, agree? I, I get that a bit. You know when like when you're in Nigeria and like you watch stuff on TV and you're like mimicking a British yeah, accent. Yeah. It's all like water. What like, you get? What you gonna buy from that? Yeah. <laughs> <Do-a>. <laughs> That's very okay. I've been around almost too much. You know what I'm to say. But um, yeah, because I was back to that, my main point. Sorry. <laughs> I'm joking now. Nah. But it's like I've got a stutter, and um, I would like to think I'm confident. I'll be all of you because mm-hmm. when it comes to networking and other things like that, I'm very good at that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm very good, and I've always thought like, for me personally, there's been no practice. There's been no in my opinion, there's been no practice. There's been no, like, I was just born with it mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say is that my life has made me become a certain way. So I've, been, I've had to become independent from a young age. Hence, mm-hmm. I have to talk a lot more from a young age kind of thing. So maybe that's what's made me more confident in life. Mm. But I would have never thought that, like, it's a practice that you got people got to go through. So <laughs> it's a strength of yours right so like you weren't born with it but it's just like something you're naturally good at and and that's great and that's the strength of yours and the more you use that strength the better you become at it you know so you could be somebody who's so good with people but if you put yourself in a job where you don't speak to people at all you're gonna get nervous like oh maybe you've forgotten Mm. how to speak to people do you see what i mean so it was a strength of yours and you used it continuously um and so you stayed confident in it but if you do something and you stop and you forget about mm. it the confidence is gonna go yeah it's your so, circumstances yeah it's your circumstances i was gonna, I was gonna say so confidence isn't just about talking when i, when I hear confidence i'm thinking mm, big chest yeah loud on the room. No. that's not really confidence isn't it no it's a circumstance yeah um, literally whatever um whatever you grew up in or whatever you had to adjust at a young age is you adapt it from young and then you take it up when you're older so then it's within you from then like so Word to um to you, I said that is literally is within you from like a long time ago. So yeah, that's why I agree with what she said. I unleashed it. Yeah, Yeah, like you have your strengths, but then there are also some things you can be intentional about. So like for me, I always thought like growth just came with age. So when I was like 20, I was like, when I'm 25, I'll be making money, I'll be grown, life will be good. But that's not how it happens. Mm. Like growth is something you have to be intentional about. Like you have to decide, okay, this is the kind of woman or man I want to become. How am I going to get there? And I, that's what I think a lot of people don't do. Like confidence is not necessarily about being the loudest person in the room. You can be an introvert and still be confident. But how would that, how would that look like to you? So like, like I said, like confident in your ability. Being an introvert mm. doesn't mean like introverts still speak but they speak when they want to and when they speak there's power and when they speak 
So, you know, it's like you can still be somebody who prefers to stay at home and not really be out all the time. So basically being an introvert just means that you get your energy from personal time. Mm. And when you spend time with other people, it drains you. Extroverts get energy from spending time with other people. And when they're by themselves, sometimes they don't like it. They feel uncomfortable. That's literally all it is. It's not about, oh, you're not good enough. So you have to be an introvert. Like, What, What would you say you are then, personally, you? I'm, and I think another thing is, I don't think anyone is only one thing. I was going to say I this, think yeah. everybody has tendencies, like introvert, extrovert tendencies. So like, I love, I call it Tiwa time. Like I love <laughs> Tiwa time. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I schedule it into my diary. Like I love my own personal time. But then I also love hanging out with people and my friends and like speaking to big groups of people. So I think I'm a mix. I get energy from from both, to be honest. Probably an extrovert introvert. Yeah. Because I was going to say, you know, when you were talking about like our extroverts get energy from people. Like I've been told I'm an extrovert in it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see why, but I've been told I'm an extrovert. Yeah. And it's like, when I'm around people, yeah, why are you screaming like that? <laughs> you don't know why. You don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm this one. Wow. But listen, like, 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 when, I, when I say I'm around people, like, I am the host kind of kind of person, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, go home. Like, <laughs> you don't be at my house until like two, three yeah. in the morning. Exactly. Go home. Exactly. Like, homeless people, go home. Yeah, <laughs> literally that. Exactly. So it's like, everybody has their limits to Yeah. I love you guys. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But I love you. I don't love you, bro. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's interesting because the thing is as well, like, with confidence, so the reason why I always have like an issue with it a little bit is because in my place of work, my surroundings, sometimes I feel like I've got a curve myself mm. because i don't want to come across as cocky yeah so, so then the thing is like what is the line between like cocky and confidence yeah. from like a, a yeah. confidence coach yeah what is the line oh i love that question because <laughs> a lot of people mix up confidence and arrogance they're not the same thing okay All right, cool. so when you're a confident person you know you're good but that does not mean like other people can't be as good as you like as a confident person, I'm like, I'm amazing. You're amazing at what you do. You're amazing facts. at what you do. Great. Yeah, There's enough room for everyone to thrive when you are a confident person. When you're arrogant, you have the mentality that there's only one room at, for somebody at the top, top and I have to be the one. So your goal is to squash everybody down okay. so that you can be the one at the top. That's where your ego comes in and you think you're better than other people. Confident people don't necessarily think they are better at others. They focus on themselves in their own lane. And they're like, I'm good at this and this is my business. You can be good at podcasting as well. And that's great. Like, good for you. But that doesn't take away from the fact that I am also good at what I do. Yeah. So when you're a confident person, you lift other people up. You use your confidence to to create positive like positive vibes and energy and you empower others versus when you're arrogant you make people feel bad about themselves so they retreat so that you can get to the top what about if you're like from personal experience as well Mm -hmm. but what about if like you're you're a confident person and you want everyone to be on your level Mm -hmm. but maybe the way you go about it can come across as arrogant what do you call that 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 dynamic I can give an example if you want. To. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so like, example. I remember, like, um, I, I've got a friend where, like, we're working together, and it's like, there'll be things that he'll be doing that I'll be like, oh, bro, why not this way? Why not, why not that way? Kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, whether it's because of the way I was brought up and the way I was taught to improve, mm-hmm. it can come across very harsh. Like, tough love, basically. Mm-hmm, tough love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, you know, a good example, like, there's been times when I've been with my boys, and my boy loves me, 
bro, look at you, you jobless fool, but go and get a job kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's bare like rude in that, fam. So, but I'm used to that. So when I talk to my, my friends sometimes, I'll be like, bro, what's wrong with you? Do it better, do mm-hmm. it this way, do it that mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why somebody who hears that would feel like you said, feel like shit about themselves, they're not doing a good job. Mm. But as for me, mm. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just trying to support my, my bro. Yeah. Maybe not in the best way. Yeah. But I'm not arrogant. But do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. The line's so blurred. That's where you have to use your own like emotional intelligence, right? To know your friend and the person you're talking to. So you can't just say, oh, this is how I am. So I'm going to talk to everybody the way I want mm. to and expect them to take it. It's like, no, you need to understand the person you're speaking to, what's their communication style? If you go to one of your boys that are like, stop being a waste man, like get up, go do your work. And he's like, he doesn't really respond well to that. Then that's not the way you should necessarily speak to them. Like you've got to understand what's his own kind of like style, like what motivates him and then use what motivates him in his own language kind of thing to encourage him. Not just what your own style is. So it's kind of like just being aware of, how other people think and how other people feel and not necessarily telling them what to do, but find out why they aren't doing what they want to be doing. That's bit energy though, isn't it? Not necessarily. It's just like, you've got to adapt. So like, think about if you, the way you talk to me, you're not going to speak to your boss at work the same way. So obviously, but yeah. I do. I won't lie, I do. <laughs> and I want, I've got trouble for you at work. I'll be honest. Okay, hey, then. <laughs> then boy, you need to adapt. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, do you get what I'm trying to say though? And you, you're a great example of this. Mm. Is like, you know me, you know I'm quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to say, but it's all love. Like, there's no ill intent to how I speak to my friends. Mm-hmm. Mm. I do recognise that like, I've got to be a bit nicer. And I, and I, and I am trying. I am trying. Mm. Yeah. But it's like, you know, when you've got that relationship with someone, it's pure love. Like, mm-hmm. I'll be concerned straight to the point. Can't get a job. Why are you jobless? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I won't come out and say, oh, so you're jobless because you... Nah, I'm, I ain't got energy for that. My life's busy as it is. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I don't know if I'm being arrogant now. I, I, I don't think that's... I don't think that's yeah, arrogant. Arrogant. I just think that's like... A communication skill. But yeah. Communication. <laughs> I got my communication. <laughs> and I'm on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be no, better. No, no. It's just like, it's just the awareness of how other people might be feeling. It's like this thing in relationships. Like, why do we talk about love languages? Right? Oh, don't get me started. Yeah. You're not oh. meant to love people the way you express love. You're meant to love people the way they, they want to be loved. loved. Because you can be doing the most for somebody who does not care about that. But let's say like you you can be buying the most gifts, but never spend time with the person. They don't even care about your gifts. All they want is personal time and you don't even do that. So they still don't feel loved. So it's about understanding how people want to be spoken to and loved and you communicating in that style. Now, you can't do that for every single human being that you meet. Yeah. That will be effort. Mm-hmm. But the people that you do know and you do communicate with, a lot of people just by sitting and listening to them first you will get a vibe right my job as a coach isn't to just have somebody sit down and tell them you need to do this 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 and this actually no we need to listen more to other people what they're saying and then ask them the questions so they can figure it out on their own i'm not here to tell you how you should live your life i'm here to wake you up show you new perspectives and then you have to make your own decisions yeah so like there's not one rule to confidence there's not one rule no yeah not at all yeah because I, I think that's a that's a thing when i see in social media a lot of people feel like there's a one way to success kind of thing whether it be yeah. trapping whether it yeah, be yeah. selling whatever food yeah is one way to get certain things but like from what you're saying it's like there is more than one way to achieve a certain goal oh 100 and i feel like everyone yeah. needs to learn that like so is that like kind of like your advice to people like you need to i can't tell you how to be confident you need to 
find your own way or like give you a guide no i can i can tell people how to be confident because confidence is quite strategic they're like things you do that will make you confident like what like daily affirmations affirmation that the word affirmations yeah so not necessarily that okay so if we're looking at what are practical things you can do to be confident first things first is you need to have an awareness of your strengths you need to know what you're good at. You need to know what comes natural to you. You need to know, you know, what do people praise you or compliment you for? You need to know, like, what is the greatness inside of you? You have to be aware of that. Because a lot of people don't even know what they bring to the world. They don't know what they're good at. And then that makes them insecure. So first things first, when you're dealing with confidence, well, if you want to be confident, first practical tip is to know, okay, I am resilient because, you know, whenever I go through challenging situations, I can bounce back. A time when I was resilient was when COVID happened or when I lost my job or when this and that, right? You need to keep receipts of your accomplishments and your strengths to Mm. remind yourself of all the great things you've achieved. So that's like a practical thing. Like confidence is actually very scientific. So I do a lot of work in positive psychology Mm -hmm. and there's like five pillars of well-being. And there's like five practical things like scientifically proven that you can do to have good mental health, self-esteem and things like that. Because so it's called the PERMA model. P stands for positive emotions. Mm -hmm. So like building, like building the positive vibes, overcoming the negative thinking, things like that. Being intentional about happiness, joy, doing what you love. E is for engagement. How um, engaged are you in the work that you are doing? productivity isn't just about how many meetings did you attend how many emails did you send off it's actually about do you know what matters to you and are you spending your time doing that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so being engaged being in the flow you know like when uh, athletes get in the flow and they like lose themselves in the game Mm -hmm. and they play Mm -hmm. amazing yeah that's what engagement is so many people like i said are living their lives on autopilot they hate their job they hate this they hate that they're not engaged in what they're doing. So naturally, there's going to be a lack of productivity. So if you actually know what you, you care about, what you value in life, and you do more of that, you will feel engaged and productive. Um, and then R stands for relationships. Are you surrounded by healthy, positive people, or are you surrounded by toxic people who pull you down? Because you can believe in yourself, but if you put yourself in a toxic environment mm. where people are always telling you you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes, who told you you could do that or this, it is going to drag you down. If you are in a job that you hate, it is going to drag you down, even though you might be the most confident person in the world. So having healthy relationships is key. And then M stands for meaning. How much meaning is there in your life in terms of are you living a purposeful life? Are you living, you know, for something bigger than yourself? Because when you obsess over, oh, this is all happening to me, 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 and you're on, in your own little bubble, mm-hmm. that can also knock your confidence. So when you live for something greater, when you work with people to achieve something, it actually boosts your confidence and your mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is um, achievement. So that's all about celebrating yourself. And this is very like British culture. We don't celebrate ourselves. Like when somebody compliments you, you're like, oh, no, no, I can't take it. Like, <laughs> no, when someone compliments you, just say thank you. Like, keep it moving you know but we don't celebrate ourselves enough we don't acknowledge all the good things we do and it's literally scientifically proven that if you celebrate yourself like every single day you write down three things that went well for you today Mm. and you keep track of your accomplishments it's like it sends positive vibrations to your brain and to your mind so 
yeah those are like the five things the parma model and if you do these things you will have healthy mental health and well-being and and better self-esteem see you yeah i I'm scared because <laughs> because you're someone if I talk to, I'll leave my job tomorrow. <laughs> I will quit my job tomorrow, yes. man. Because because like, and I think everything you're saying is facts. Because there's one thing that you said, yeah, that for me, I've I've learned over the recent years, and it's about like looking back over the year and saying what have I achieved, mm. like what have I celebrated myself, yeah. like, what have I done, yeah, and like word to what you said, I said earlier, it's like because of where I've come from, how I grew up, it's very easy for me to look forward and only look forward. And not see what I've achieved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very easy for me to be like, oh, that, that, like my my achievements are nothing. Like, yeah, okay, it's nothing. Yeah. And that's also because of you mentioned it being British culture, but I think I may be wrong. But from what I see, from a Nigerian, a Yoruba perspective mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. celebrating your achievements is not always the main thing. Some households. Yeah. A good example could be like, you yeah. can, can get a B. Yeah. Why didn't you get A? Yeah. Or yeah. Olu got got um, yeah, first class. Yeah. Why haven't you got this? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? They yeah. they, they compare a lot and it, it plays you down. Mm-hmm. And even there's been times when. I'm talking to my like family member, and then I'm like, "Yeah, I'm doing sick." They're like, "Shut up!" In front of your elders, what do you know? What, what have you achieved? What do 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 do? And it like they t- they're trying to humble mm-hmm, you or something, mm-hmm, and, but mm-hmm. that kind of downplays yeah, yeah. your achievements. Yeah. It? So you know, I always say to people like, "There's no point being the world's best kept secret." There's really no point. And also, hiding your gifts is not the same thing as being humble. You can be a humble person and use your gifts in a powerful way that changes your life and changes the people around you. Mm-hmm. But saying, oh, no, I'm, I'm really not good at this or like say because that's you want to be humble. That does not help you at all, because all you're doing is literally sending messages to your subconscious that you don't have what it takes or you're not good enough. And that's not true. If you've achieved something, own it, like own it with your chest. It's not bragging. And again, when. I, I'm somebody who talks about both my wins and my losses because I think it's important to not just say, oh, guys, I got this workshop. I'm working with this client. Oh, I got this amount of money. Mm-hmm. Like, life is not perfect. So I think everybody has a responsibility. And if especially if you have, like, a public profile to share both your wins and I your losses so that people actually know, like, we're keeping it real here. But to be always downplaying yourself all you're doing is sabotaging yourself mm. because like, and, and, you know, I think you, you can have one goal and achieve it two ways. Right. So one way is, Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I'm not working hard enough. Be critical and mean towards yourself. That might motivate you to achieve your goals and to work harder, but that's doing it with a ton of bricks on your back. You exactly. Yeah. Because to listen, be overcritical, to be overcritical as a way to motivate yourself. Mm. It's think about it. It's literally so heavy. You're not good. You should do this. You can't work harder. Look at what everybody else is doing. You should, you should, you should. You will take the steps towards the goal, but you're doing it in such a heavy way. Like that voice you should have, you should have. It's already so heavy. Well, in my own perspective. But then there's another way to be like, girl, you killed it last week. You're going to kill it this week. You've got this. Look at all your strengths. You're amazing. There's still room for improvement. Let's keep going. We have amazing things to achieve in the world. Look at the difference in energy between you should have, you should have, you should have. You're not good enough. You need to work harder versus you are doing so well, but it does not end here. Let's keep going. Okay, cool. I'll get you. But do you know what? I can attest to that as well because yeah. there's there's so many things I've got in my life that I'm, that I'm meant to be doing. And it's like whenever I have the other approach that like, yo, Sam, you forgot to do this, you forgot to do that, you forgot to do this, you forgot to do that. I low-key panic and I low-key I'm just like, oh, life is too stressful. Mm. But then when I had the approach, like she said, like yeah. just, I've achieved A to B, 
celebrate that. That's yeah. that's calm. That's yeah. good. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like a good example is like, like I'm, I'm redoing my house in it, and it's like there's so much stuff I've got to do, and I panic sometimes. I'm just like, but I ain't done this. I've still got work. Mm. I've got to do. This, I've got to do that. Mm. But then when I sit back, I'm like, no, Sam, you've got the interior designer. You've paid her to do your designs. Designs are done. Mm-hmm. Celebrate that. Mm. I feel like peace. Yeah. Double glazing. You've yeah. got something to do it. Like yeah. I'm at peace. There's yeah. still a lot to do. But I've achieved one or two things. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, that mindset is really important because we come from a culture. I think a lot of my friends are like that, where we don't really celebrate our wins. Like, yeah. There's always the next step. There's always you the know next what? step. Yeah. There's always the next step. One of our boys, see, Misha is really good at that. He's, he celebrate where he's at the moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm. He doesn't, yeah. Mm. Whereas when I talk to me and Hareb, we're always looking forward. We don't really look back. Yeah. And, and like, it reminds me of a conversation that we had where I said to Hareb, I was like, yo, we need to go back and educate like the young boys in our mm. schools and stuff yeah. and then however was just like nah what but i was like bro when you look back on it yeah nah, like fam, you have. we've gone uni yeah. we've got a degree we've got the masters you know what i'm yeah, trying to say like yeah and yeah. also like those young boys will look at you and be like if he's done it i can do, do it, it too. too yeah i said a nigga did that's that? a game changer <laughs> literally a game changer so if you hide all the great things that you're doing and that's why representation is so important right we never knew a black man could be the president of the United States until Obama did it. Mm. And now there are so many young black boys out there who are thinking, wow, if Obama can do this, I can do it too. And so it's so important that we have visibly successful black people. And, you know, definitions of success can mean different things to different people. But you never know. All somebody needs to do is hear your story that you managed to go to university and you graduated and you got your degree and now you're working, that's all somebody needs to motivate themselves. To you, that can just be the norm, but to maybe a young boy from a disadvantaged background where no one in his family has been to university, that your story might be the story he needs to hear to take the next step in his life. I think it, then I think with your point, I think it goes back to a person's perspective. So the example he gave, let me and Sam went to uni. So mm. I'll give an example. I went to uni in America before I started uni here. Mm. And, um, to me, I, f- I see it as kind of normal because the people around me who I was around, uh, athletes, et cetera, yeah. went to union in America, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So to me, it was normal. But then when I speak to someone else, they'll be like, bro, you went to union because yeah. they never knew it was a, uh, that was a possibility. So I think it depends what kind of circle you're in. So mm. if you're in a circle where mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. see it, yeah. you're not gonna, you're going to be like, exactly. it's crazy. Exactly. But if you're in a circle where, to me, it's kind of normal, I'm just like, okay, I went. Yeah. Like, that's the issue. Yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I guess, yeah. So that's why it's so important to share your story because you never know who's going to hear it mm-hmm. and to share your accomplishments so that it goes outside of your immediate circle to other people who might not have believed in themselves, but now they will because they've seen or heard your story. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Do you know what? See, see the conflict thing as well, yeah? It, it's just so many aspects to it because... There's one aspect that I feel like we have to talk about, and I'm, I don't know if you, I'm sure you, you can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Confidence when you're the only black person mm-hmm. in the space. Mm-hmm. And if, if I can elaborate on that, there's, um, you aware of imposter syndrome? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you guys experienced this because you work in London, innit? But mm-hmm. when, I, when I worked outside London um, in Bristol, and I first started working as an engineer, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I felt shit. I felt like, but like I didn't know I didn't feel confident enough be mm. my mm-hmm, ability mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though I've got a whole master's degree that mm-hmm. says I got a first class mm. that like it says on paper you're you're smart I just didn't feel smart because of the way I speak because of the way that I dress because of the way mm-hmm. like in in a very blunt I'm a nigga like you know what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. and it's like even though I've got the brains in here when these around me are talking in their posh like technical languages 
when these out here are like saying mm-hmm. one or two jargons and even where they carry themselves kind of thing like it makes you feel like i don't belong here like if i say the wrong thing the holy think i'm a fool and fire me mm. Mm. you know what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. as a confidence coach she's probably been that situation herself what is the like get me what's the what's the tips <laughs> is there any tips like, yeah of course of course everyone goes through imposter syndrome whenever you're like doing something new that you've never done before or if you're in a space that is like outside of your comfort zone you're likely to feel imposter syndrome mm-hmm. so the way i see imposter syndrome is like it's temporary memory loss where mm-hmm. you actually forget that you're the shit and you're allowing <laughs> the circumstances to dictate how you see and feel about yourself so with like being the only black person in the room is not something that has ever really intimidated me because i see myself as tiwalola before i am a black person or before i am a black woman like there is more to me than the color of my skin and my gender so my identity runs deeper than what i look like on the outside so always being aware and i think growing up in nigeria actually really helped me with that because when you grow up in a predominantly like black country the idea of being black isn't a thing you're just living your life Mm. but when you come to somewhere like england you you start to know that oh you are different like you are black that that sort of thing so i grew up in a country where i was like I was who I was and I can own that. So being in a room where I'm the only person that looks like me, it can be a bit scary. I agree, but I don't focus on, oh, I'm the only black woman. I focus on the fact that I'm Tiwalola and I'm here and I'm here to do whatever I'm here to do. And I deserve to be in this room. Um, So with imposter syndrome, like I said, it's memory loss where you forget all the amazing things about you. Like in that situation, you forgot that you had your first class degree. You forgot like all the stuff you have learned that you deserve to be in there. But instead your negative thoughts were telling you, oh, what if you do do that? Or like, you know, what if they laugh at you and judge you? So in that situation, you just forgot all mm-hmm. you all the great things about you and you focused on what you are lacking or what your negative thoughts were telling you do you think that comes back in like your, your let's basically say amnesia in a sense mm. but, um it comes back in when once you're settled in so once you're basically settled mm. in so the example back to sam once yeah, you settled yeah. in these workplaces yeah. you think it comes back saying oh yeah i am confident i did this no because that's waiting for it to happen to mm. you you have to go out and get it and that's mm-hmm. why i was saying confidence is a practice you have to be intentional about it so I'm one of those people, like, I challenge my negative thoughts when they arise. A lot of people don't do that. So you might be sitting in a meeting and your negative thoughts are saying, if you st- if you say what you want to say, people are going to laugh that that's a stupid comment. Mm-hmm. And most people will hear that and be like, oh my gosh, yeah, that might be stupid. Uh, I don't want them to judge me. Retreat, keep quiet, don't say anything. Instead, I will be like, hang on a second. Do I 100% know for a fact that what I'm going to say is stupid? Do I 100% know for a fact that they're going to judge me? Is that even a nice thing to say to myself that if I speak, I'm going to say something stupid? No, it's not. So instead, I'm going to speak up and share my opinion and then see what's going to happen. Okay, cool. You know, so Mm -hmm. you actually have to challenge your negative thoughts when they arise and not just default into, oh, my negative thoughts told me I'm not good enough. So that must be true. Why is it true? Where's the evidence? You know? and i think of you know a big point on that i think back to your immediate point i think you're right you forget that like everyone was once in your shoes yeah whether they're black or white there was once a point where an individual started a job and didn't know what they were doing yeah and they had to learn yeah and i feel like that's why i forgot because when i'm when i'm meeting people who are big big 50 60 
and what they're saying doesn't make sense but I, what I'm saying makes more sense than them mm. I'm like oh and that gives me the confidence to believe in myself yeah. oh, I'm not gonna lie to yeah, you yeah. back to the meeting point like there's times I've been in, in meetings where I've kept quiet and then what I was thinking someone else has said it mm. and I was like oh shit so yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, okay yeah. sign that stupid oh, really? yeah. <laughs> and that gave me more confidence yeah, to yeah, like yeah. to speak but yeah. I think yeah, like it's just crazy what you're saying. I like your your term, temporary memory loss. <laughs> because it's true, you forget who you yeah, are, about. You forget you who do. you are. And when you forget who you are, you just kinda like the wind blows left and right and you just go with yeah. whatever shows up. Mm-hmm. But when you remember who you are and you remember that you have what it takes to be in this room and to own it then it's just like you don't walk in there like oh i'm so glad they gave me this favor and opportunity like you walk in there like hang on i'm an expert at what i do facts so you guys can listen to me and that's why i think it's not about age like confidence is about believing in your abilities and your expertise that you have something great to bring to the world so there could be somebody there who has more experience than you who's older than you and might still be shaking in their boots because they're still not sure about themselves but you can walk in like show that hang on i'm an expert in this so whatever happens happens and then also not having all the answers like having all the answers or not having all the answers like it's not a necessarily a bad thing yeah. you know if you don't know the answer to something it's okay to own it and say i don't know the answer that's a really good question let me do some research i'll get back to you yeah i, I think yeah the so reason why people get imposter syndrome is because they feel like they need to know it all and they need to have it all and they need to be able to tick all the boxes but actually you don't and i feel like the problem is, is with, with a lot of people as well they feel like they need to answer every single question yeah when who you, said that mm-hmm. Who said that? Who created that rule? It's true, like, it's true, it's true. you know, we put ourselves in all these situations that are so stressful and negative because somebody somewhere once said that this, that, and the other. And it's like, no, you get to pick and choose what you believe in life. Mm. I don't subscribe to perfectionism. I don't subscribe to the fact that I must always have the answers when somebody asks me something to qualify as an expert. No, there's nobody in this world who has all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know, but get Guess what? I can do the research and I'll find out and get back to you. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. I just felt you got bare wisdom, you know. It's all the. But you haven't even said where, where people they can find you. Like, what's your social media? Yeah, so you can find me uh, on Instagram is where I'm mostly at. So at Tiwalola. So T I W A L O W L A, and then at Confident and Killing It as well. So I have like the online community, the Confident and Killing It podcast, um, and then there's loads of more inspirational stuff. The on link Instagram. is here, here, and here. We're doing yeah. <laughs> yeah. the link is here, yeah, editor. The link is here, yeah, yeah, and here as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm done. Yeah. yeah, so that's where people can find me. Yeah, at confident and killing it. No, that's sick, man. That's sick. And I feel like so confident, killing it, speaker, and we also have activists and podcasts. First, talk about your podcast a little bit. Like, how did that start? Um, I mean, the podcast was like something I always kind of thought about because I started off making like quick one minute videos on Instagram, Mm -hmm. but there was always more I had to say, Mm. but I know that on Instagram, anything longer than one minute, forget about it. Like, you know, I had even tried making like a three minute video and then I would look at the analytics and see everybody stopped after one minute. So I'm like, I'm not going to waste my precious (laughs) wisdom for everybody to just stop at one minute Mm. and not watch the whole video. So I was like, right, no, no, I'm not really feeling that. And so um, I asked like people in my community what they wanted more of. And quite a few people started mentioning a podcast. So I had it on my list of things to do from like December, but 
I was actually quite nervous about it because I was telling myself that I don't have anything podcast worthy to say. So oh, I can't you start wrong? a podcast. Oh, was I wrong? wrong? <laughs> I was so wrong. But again, that's what your negative thoughts mm. will do. They will sabotage you and stop you from stepping into your greatness. So um, I put it off, put it off, put it off. And then I said I would start it at some point this year. And I think with lockdown happening, um, I just had more time to really think and map things out. And I prayed about it. And then Amen. one day, God was just downloading everything <laughs> to me. I was like, it was like, I, it was crazy. It was nothing like I'd ever seen before. Mm-hmm. I literally just got my journal out and I was just writing, writing, writing. And I was coming up with all these ideas. And then, yeah, the podcast was born. So that happened in July as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same time as us, roughly. Yeah. Oh, what, this year, July? Yeah, this yes. year, July. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've gotten really positive feedback about it. So I'm like, and it's brought me so much new business. So I'm like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Like, yeah. What's <laughs> your business? Just like people listen to it, they find out I'm a coach and then they sign up to of coaching course, with yeah, me, that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. So yeah. it's actually widened my audience, not just on Instagram. Now people hear about me through the podcast and then they check out my one-to-one coaching services yeah. and things like that. Yeah, so it's amazing. And as we were saying before, I just feel like there's different avenues to you, different like, parts to you, but obviously yeah. the most important one of the most important side is the activism part as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, talk to me about that. Or talk to us about that, yeah. really. Like, how did that start? And um, what were you activist for as well? Yeah, so, well, I started... I first of all called myself, like, a self-love activist <laughs> because... And I think activism, to me, just means standing for something. It just means speaking up about something. And that is actually part of my confidence journey. If there is something... First of all, I think it's important that people know who you are and what you stand for. Because, one, that brings you opportunities. Now, whenever anyone's thinking, oh, we need a confidence person to do this, Tiwa, I'm the first person that comes to their mind. Why? Because I have put it out there that I am somebody who's an expert in this field. So I think being able to stand for something and be known for something is really important. And then I also think that people who want to do good in the world need to be just as loud and strategic as the people pushing for hate and destruction and war and things like that. Look at the way... like like terrorists plan to do things right and like people who are like the donald trump's of the world people pushing hate they plan all of these things Mm. right like racist they plan they know what they are doing and then you know good people are just like oh i need to be humble and not share all the good stuff that i'm doing in the world and it's like no we need to see this good news because the way society is set up we are constantly bombarded with like negativity 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 Mm -hmm. and so i think if you actually want to do something positive in the world be loud about it let's people know because we need that yeah um so that's really where the activism came from i was like enough is enough i'm not gonna sit back and watch society keep telling women that they are not good enough they are not worthy enough i'm gonna create a new narrative Mm -hmm. so i've always been somebody who stands up for something they believe in and so naturally when there's a cause that comes up that i really really care about i will make sure that i'm using my voice in a powerful way because that is part of being confident and killing it you've got to use your voice and and speak up and share your story so yeah okay because and if you think that that kind of adds to like why you're here Mm -hmm. because you know i saw your profile and i reached out to you about the whole SARS stuff because i felt like we need to discuss that and have that discussion. And I think someone of your 
expertise could probably shed a bit more light because I read your article. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know if you guys know what she was on Glamour. She had an article. Why are blushing? Why are you blushing? blushing? <laughs> but just doing your thing. Yeah. Like, oh, she was on glamour. <laughs> like, you know what I mean, yeah, man? You got, uh, as you said, we, got, we can't be, we can't hide your secret. We've got to let everyone yeah, know. Thank you. Thank so, you, and thank I think you. that article really explained a lot of what's going on. And I think as an Nigerian of the sport, like, from a diaspora, it's like, I knew a lot about Nigeria before this was happening mm-hmm, on public mm-hmm, terms. Mm-hmm. Like, do you get what I'm trying to say? I don't think we need to, uh, I'll let you do the technical aspect of it, mm-hmm, but it's like, mm-hmm. For me personally, I don't feel like SARS is the problem mm. of Nigeria. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. For me, I will always say the government, mm-hmm. and if you want to deep further, you say the Western world, isn't it? But mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. But I feel like <laughs> the government, mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. is the main issue of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why I say that is because obviously SARS itself, I feel like SARS are to blame. Mm-hmm. but SARS also human beings they need to survive need mm-hmm. to live need to eat mm-hmm. and when their job their role doesn't feed them or doesn't give them opportunities to feed their families mm-hmm. unfortunately they look for other ways to finance themselves mm. I don't know if you saw this there was a report that said um, within 18 months SARS had exploited and extorted like si- over 60 million dollars uh, and then something a billion in Nigeria yeah like 9.35 wow. billion naira yeah, yeah. in 18 months mm, just mm. from illegal roadblocks mm. do you know what I'm trying to say and it's like I remember when I was in Nigeria my pops one time and then like the guy stopped us and he's a policeman and then he came to my window my, my window side didn't it then I was just like first of all if you come you can let they come with their gun just swinging anyhow, mm, bro. Mm. Like, there's a real life AK-47 in your face, bro. And you're just mm. there looking like, if I talk too much, I'm going mm. to just die tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, then obviously, now, I remember, I was like, I was like, hey, you are at Like, I look a high five shake. Move your hand, Jerry. Mm. Is there money there? <laughs> I was just like, fuck. <laughs> now, obviously, I looked at my dad, didn't it? And, because for me, I've got a temper kind of thing, in it? And it's like, I'm not a dickhead. And for me as well, like, I thought to myself, like, I know I can't talk about back to back to the back to the police officer, but at the same time, I'll give attitude in it. Mm. But my dad looked at me, and the look he gave me was just "son, hold your lips." Mm. <laughs> that was the look he gave me, kind of mm. thing. Mm. And then obviously, my dad spoke the the broke pigeon, whatever, gave them two hundred naira, and we left in it. And I remember that my dad was telling me, "Was like, son, you don't play these police officers because they will waste your life." Mm. He was like to me, "The bullets that they have, unaccounted for." Mm. The guns they have, unaccounted for. Mm. If they like, they they waste all their bullets today. Nobody will ask them where did your bullets go. Mm. And, and and that's the reality of it. Mm. And it, and then the thing is, when you look at the police officers as well, it's like they're not doing it. Some of them are they are, are become power hungry, but a lot of them is their norm to make money. Mm. Their salary is not mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. That extra two hundred t- now they get for every single car becomes two thousand now becomes five thousand now. Before you know it, they've added ten thousand a day. Yeah, but sorry to to challenge. Well, I'm not sorry to challenge you, but sorry to interrupt on that. I think there's there's that's still a choice they are making. True, hundred percent. Doctors don't get paid well in Nigeria. Do you see them telling their patients if you don't bring extra money, I'm not gonna mm. like Here they don't go. kill people on the operating table who have not brought bribe money. So I think it is still a choice if you are in a job that is not paying you well you guys should come together and take that mm. to the igp or whoever your boss and say oh god please we need more money this is not okay 
killing innocent people because your job isn't paying you enough is just pure evil there's Facts. no excuse for that Facts. whatsoever so you might not be making a lot in a lot of money but you that is a choice you are making to still extort people because some of the stories we heard is not small petty cash yeah they are taking people to atms to clear out their card max out people's bank accounts like in nigeria a lot of people don't put their salary in one account because if the police stop you and they can clear out your whole bank account like leave you on zero with no money so people break up their money so that the police can't just come and take one whole thing can you imagine this is a a body of the police force that is meant to protect human beings from robberies and and things like that they are the one (laughs) running the robberies and the killings yeah. So it's not an excuse to say, oh, you know, they, they're not earning enough money. So, you know, they, okay, yeah, but don't kill somebody else. Facts. That, it's not their fault. Can I just say, I wasn't saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just giving some context for yeah. some people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, if SARS isn't the, if, if the, is like a bigger problem. Yeah. And SARS comes underneath that. Yeah. I'm trying to say. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, like, please, though, don't come and say I'm from this No, 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 no. We you know hashtag no. NSARS. Amen. <laughs> so, I think, <laughs> I think, like, Nigeria's problem has a lot to do with, like, greed, corruption, and SARS is just a part of that. Facts. My biggest issue, like, I know there's corruption everywhere in the world, but. At least in the UK, if there's corruption, our basic necessities are still being met. That's very true, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know? I, I think someone even said this. I was listening to another podcast, I forgot what it was, and I think someone said, um, the uh, uh, minister from Japan when uh, when a podcast, he basically said, he was spending it with like, all different countries. He said, every single country is corrupt in the world. He yeah. just like, some corrupts more than more than others. Yeah. Um, he said, our country, we corrupt, but like, he was just like, we don't do it like on a matting where mm. the co- people mm-hmm, will start protesting mm-hmm. whatever he's saying people most countries in africa do where they take the majority and probably leave like 20 percent for the rest mm-hmm. of the even if that yeah even, even if, if maybe even, maybe even less even so he said like if they adapted they could end up being like countries like ours you still get a little few people complaining mm-hmm. but like the majority will be yeah. satisfied in yeah, a sense but exactly. yeah, yeah with africa it's just it's greed it's, it's greed. just it's greed. greed it is just pure greed and i don't understand it because when you die you can't take any of these things yeah with facts you. so what is it that is really stopping you from knowing that there are how many million people living in poverty and you cannot just do your one job to just give them running water you can't do that instead you would rather hoard all that money for yourself and spend it traveling around the world or buying this or buying like at the end of the day if you girls. die tomorrow what's what's that gonna do for mm. you you know so I just think there's just no empathy, just that lack of like, bro, there are people dying out there and I am hoarding the money that they need to eat. It's just like, it blows my mind. Um, so for me, I'm not a, a Nigerian. Um, uh, I'm not from a Nigerian influence or anything like that. But what I was going to ask was, um, when did, when SARS, when SARS first started, why did it become a thing just to attack basically the young people? So like with the, with the piercings, with the tattoos, et cetera, et cetera, or the people that basically dressed well, why did, when did it become yeah. like to go? So it started off in like the 1990s and it was because there was a lot of crime in the city. So they were brought in as a special unit, mm. uh, like to just like make sure there was peace in the city and to catch any kind of robberies and stuff initially it was oh my house is getting robbed let me call sars sars leaves their base 
They come to catch any robbers, to sort anything out, and they go back to their base. They were never meant to just be on the streets all the time. But because another big issue with Nigeria, lack of accountability, there was nobody checking what they were doing. So maybe you have one guy who's ready to go rogue, and he starts going on the streets and comes back and makes a 100K from being on the streets. And then everybody else is like, "Uh uh-uh. What's he doing? We have to go and join him. And then all of a sudden, next person goes, next person goes. And then just like through evolution, the whole thing starts to get corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. It's like a snowball. Yeah, it's like a snowball effect. Because I watched the guy who actually created SARS, I watched an interview that he was saying, like, he never intended SARS to turn into this monster. SARS was meant to be there to protect the people, but because nobody was checking, there's no governor or president who is checking like, oh, you killed somebody? while putting you in jail. Which police officer has been put in jail for killing anybody, mm. right? So when they know, oh, I can get away with killing somebody, nobody's going to call me and say I've done anything wrong. So that lack of accountability let, led them to start running things on their own terms. Now, the thing with the young people is that Nigeria has such an uh, archaic me- mindset and mentality that the police force, first of all, they don't even own computers, they don't even have proper digital phones like mm. iPhones and things like that. They write records on pen and paper. Like criminal records are written on pen and paper. So people who don't even have laptops and computers, you now see a young 21-year-old driving a car with a laptop. You automatically think, uh-uh, if me as a big man, I cannot afford laptop, mm. how can you as a small boy be affording laptop? And then all of a sudden it's like, you must be a criminal. Okay, cool. Do you get so it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. that whole archaic mentality, traditional, like, oh, if you wear a short skirt, you're a prostitute all of a sudden. If you have dreads and 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 jewelry and a gold chain, ah, that means you must be a Yahoo boy because a, a respectable gentleman will not be dressing like how you're dressing. So it's all of these traditional norms that are so ancient and they've not realized that young people have have adapted like you know adapted yeah. yeah we live in a digital world how is a 20 something year old with a laptop a, a scammer like mm. come on and i think do you know what it, it just highlights the bigger issue of nigeria because like you said lack of accountability it's not there throughout the whole country how many contracts do they have to build a new road yeah build a new school yeah you go to like it's quite common in nigeria where the, somebody will get a contract from, from the government to improve the road on a certain area He'll collect like 100 billion, whatever, mm-hmm. share the money out. Five years later, that road is still the same. Mm-hmm. Or even worse, they'll just do one quarter of the road mm-hmm. and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the next the next term, mm-hmm. they'll get another contract for the same road. Yeah. Like, same thing. This is how ridiculous Nigeria is. They said a monkey or a snake. Yeah. Monkey a and snake, snake. There's both. There's both monkey and snake swallowed 35 million naira. It was published on the newspaper. Mm-hmm. A snake <laughs> swallowed 35 million and nothing happened to the person who was looking after that money, who was meant to allocate it where it went. Nothing happened to it. He said a snake swallowed the money and that was it. I don't know. I don't know if you guys know, but like, <laughs> do you know the federal account of Nigeria? Mm-hmm. So basically like when Nigeria sells oils, all its stuff, there's an actual account for where it goes to. Mm-hmm. There are people within Parliament within the the senate whatever you want to call it they have a checkbook access to that account so they can write an amount on a checkbook wow. and withdraw it and it's that's that's the country's money that people have like their like their money mm. you know what i'm trying to say there's i remember to add to a point one time i was in nigeria this was back when it was good luck jennifer bad mm. luck idiot but that <laughs> bad luck. But, but basically 
it said in the news it said i couldn't believe it it said 330 billion naira is missing from the federal reserve account how do you misplace 330 billion naira you know how billion so no matter what currency it is yeah it's still mad it's still mm. mad 330 billion naira missing yeah like that yeah and like what people in Nigeria are eating less than 20 naira a day like it's yeah. it's crazy the wealth yeah. there's something said in your article which was like the average person Nigeria, the average politician mm-hmm. their salary is like 50 gdp mm. um please say, say the fact please because they're mm. by most of them <laughs> <laughs> uh so basically nigerians nigeria is one of the poverty capitals in the world Ridiculous, but, but okay. our politicians are one of the top paid civil servants in the world. Is it? Yeah. 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 More than anywhere in Europe, even more than America. Like, we are one of the highest paying, uh, like, we pay our politicians and civil servants the highest in the world, but yet we are the poverty capital. So it's like, where, where do you, like, why? Why are you even earning that much? Their newspaper allowance is something like i think it was like two million naira a month to buy newspapers something you can read yeah. online mm. yeah but it goes back to what you're saying about them being ar- archaic and old school and they, they don't want reform yeah and, and, they don't and, and, and the issue with this is that it, what it does it breeds a culture where everyone wants to do politics when, yeah. when you go to nigeria yeah. everyone wants to be a politician yeah everyone wants to be an ambassador a senate a governor like but you don't even know politics you don't is even it, know is it, is it for the right reasons as well, of course it? it's oh, not yeah exactly it's no longer for the right reasons it's to go in and to make money no make can't steal money yeah that's yeah. become the culture yeah. of nigeria now where like yeah. people want to become governors to kind of steal money yeah that's it no one's going there to make a change they they front as they do but they don't it wasn't there the commission i mean the commission of happiness do you remember that no. There was once there was one Senate, um I can't remember what what state it was. He made his sister the commissioner of happiness <laughs> in his state. Oh my god. He yeah. no, he, I'm to God's God my witness, he made a whole new role for his sister mm. and called it the commissioner of happiness. Yeah, and he can get away with that. So like people just go in and do the wildest things. Let me find and his name and get Let me away with him. all of this stuff. Foolish and so man. I think that's why NSARS wasn't just about NSARS. Mm. NSARS was like the first thing that everyone in Nigeria could be united on because whether you are rich or you are poor, you know, whether you have connects or not, SARS has affected you in a way or one way or the other. Like I have friends who live in a prestigious neighborhood in Lagos and he got hit in the chest with a gun from SARS, right? So it's not about, oh, SARS only affects poor people. So in the protest, what we saw were poor people rich people whatever you are everybody was coming together because they were tired they were tired of just being killed for no reason and being extorted so this was the first time we've really seen unity like this in our own generation Mm, where no matter where you are where you come from everybody was standing in unity that SARS must go and that was kind of like the first thing. And mm. once we settled on SARS, we were going to start picking out, okay, the politicians, you mm-hmm. know, beginning. This was the beginning of holding people accountable. And within like maybe three or four days of the protest, the governor or the president said, yes, yes, SARS is over, SARS is over, don't worry. Like, are we dummies? Yeah. Like, how, you've said SARS is over. Three, yeah, yeah, four, yeah, three yeah, times. Yeah, four, three times. Yeah, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2019 now in 2020. Yeah, yeah. And then you go, we're well, now going to create a new one called SWAT. SWAT. And we'll put all <laughs> the, uh, the SARS officers in SWAT. Is it not just to change the uniform? 
like you know that's not gonna stop them from killing people so we we didn't back down because we've heard you say all these things before and we weren't gonna allow it so it's just been a really beautiful time for young nigerians to see everybody just come yeah. together like this and really just want change for the country uh, i think was basically explaining um the bfm war basically and she's saying how it's all um divided and then sars is the first time she's seen it mm. where everyone's all united um basically and like she's saying it was lovely to see yeah. So yeah, um, yeah um, I didn't because I didn't know much about it. I was just like, "Well, I didn't know what yeah. happened in the past." That's why I asked the question about um, the BFA war. But yeah, this so I was, it's serious still. Mm. So, do you know what I was gonna say though? I feel like you made a good point about the whole thing about un- unification because, mm. like, even my dad, Abivo, he's had certain comments and it's just like you can sense that there, there is not that much unity mm. as a Nigerian, mm. <laughs> as a Yoruba person. There's unity, but when it comes mm. to like as a Yoruba Ibo, it's just a bit like. Yeah, I'm mm. trying to say, mm. but you're right. Like this protest really brought everyone together, and I think what I think we mentioned this earlier. What is frustrating is the fact of we have people in power that were in power during the Biafra War kind of thing. They mm. were military mm. men during mm. the Biafra War. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Buhari was part of the militants during that war, and he's still in power now. We said this before, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. power is recycled in Nigeria in a disgusting way. There are people who are 80, for goodness sake, in places mm-hmm. of power. There's people who are godfathers, Tinubu, Abbasanjo. These are like 80. Mm-hmm. In the UK, they'll be in a retirement home, mm-hmm. retired. Mm-hmm. They're running the bloody country. APC leader, it's Tinubu. Yeah, like, it's mad. It's crazy. And it just goes to show, and I think what's more worrying is that going to the killings now, this is not new. Mm-hmm. Nigeria unfortunately has used fear as a tactic for way too mm-hmm, long mm-hmm. when it came to before um protest not protest um voting what do they call it um vote for president president election mm-hmm. election tell me if i'm wrong election mm-hmm. used to be a dangerous time in nigeria yeah yeah you 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 could be killed in nigeria for, for, for in the election time most people didn't vote because they're staying there in their house it's only within the property within the what three four five years mm-hmm. it's become safe to actually go out and actually go to an election Using fear has been a tactic yeah. of Nigeria. And these old school men are still using it till now. Yeah. Hence why they thought the best thing to do, go and kill her, then I'll shoot them. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Literally, like, and no one is, is standing up to say, like, we're still waiting to hear who ordered the attack. So the protest went on for about 12 days. And then all of a sudden, we started seeing people they branded as hoodlums yeah right coming out of government buses yes with knives and you know all of these kinds of things to attack peaceful protesters okay so they they the government buses weren't branded but we know they are government like from the number plates and things like that they Mm. were government cars and and jeeps and things like that now listen to all of this happening okay so peaceful protests go on for about 10 days on day 11, all of a sudden, thugs start coming with knives and things to attack peaceful people. Why all of a sudden did they just appear from nowhere and start attacking? They were hired. Then um, the governor of Lagos State overnight declares a curfew. Like he declared a curfew, a 4 p.m. curfew, and I think at like 12 yeah. on the day. Four hours before. Four Is hours, it? Yeah. yeah. Via Twitter. Okay. That's how he announced a curfew to his state 12 p.m. on the day the curfew was happening via Twitter. Okay. Now, obviously, on average, it takes about four hours to get home in Lagos because the traffic is so bad. Mm. So 
They then are at about maybe 3 p.m. They moved it to 9 p.m. is when the curfew would be. But anyways, people were at the Lekki Tollgate protest ground. And they they said, no, yes, we're still protesting. We are still peaceful. We are still unarmed. You've put in a curfew, but our needs have not been met. We are not going anywhere. So even though majority of the people left the protest grounds, there was still a group of people who said, listen, we are not going anywhere. All of a sudden, around 7 p.m., when it gets dark, the military pull up. Mm-hmm. The street lights all of a sudden go mm. off. When have street lights ever gone off? Like usually, because it was a toll gate, the street lights of that area are always on. Yeah. There's a billboard right above the toll gate that gives that whole street light. The billboard was off. So that's what I'm saying. People who want peace need to be just as strategic as people who want fear yeah. and hate and war because all of that was planned. Mm. The thugs were sponsored. They are. They were given money by the government. Like, can't prove this 100%, but there's a lot of evidence showing that that was the case. So now everything that's going on in the in the, in the the government is how young people, like, sabotage the whole city. Because after that killing on the Tuesday of innocent people, a riot actually broke out, like a full-blown riot where... They were invading properties. They were burning down buildings. The so-called thugs, mm. right? So now they've branded those thugs as NSARS protesters. <clears throat> so now they're blaming what young people fought for peacefully. Mm. They are saying it is our fault that we don't have respect for the country. That's why we're doing all of this. No, it wasn't. These are the people you paid to destroy the city. And now you're saying it's NSARS people that did that so manipulative and i think do you know what it's swavian this is the normal tactic in, this is in, a normal in, tactic. in politics of nigeria yeah they there there is there every state has its state thugs mm-hmm. that they know they're the go-to men yeah like in thug there's a hierarchy in the thug world that the government is aware about yeah that they actually tap into mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if they've got there's actually nine actually jungle justice that like, is sad to say but it's actually jungle justice. Even during elections, they send thugs to rip up some ballots. God bless you. To set fire to some election poll mm-hmm. places, to intimidate people from coming to vote so mm-hmm. that they can rig that, that city or that state. Right? So this is what they do. And now the Senate is is saying like social media is what has caused all of this, right? Because they just want to control us. And we're not allowing it. Well, come on, I can say, I think that's the beauty of it's the sad part of it, but the beauty of it is that social media is now there. Mm. Back in the 60s, when they were doing this, nobody yeah, could report nobody it. nobody could report That's it. That's why our parents kept quiet. Yeah. Mm. Whereas now, in one second, but hyperconnected will turn up to be used. Mm-hmm. We can see everything in one mm-hmm, go. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, it's important, like you said before, it's important for us to use our voice as much as we can. Yeah. Well, in, in, in terms of change, I, I keep on hearing this aspect. They would say, people keep on saying, do you think someone younger would have to go into that government that knows basically what the situation is, or would you say it's not even that? Like, it's just. Can I give one thing? What, what my, my personal thing is? Yeah, mm. yeah, go for it. I don't really know. They don't need to die. Every single politician in Nigeria that's of that generation needs to just fall down and die. Because two reasons there is no justification for you to go and shoot innocent people and take their lives. The people in power of Nigeria, they are armed robbers basically they're military men we don't know it's violence they, 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 they're not educated like that they, they, they're not bankers they, they're not people who know e- economics mm. they are just military we don't know it's fire and shoot 
That's what they know. And that's what they keep resorting back to it. Whether that's because they were taught it because of colonialism, it's another story. But that is what they know. And that's a sad thing. The reason why they need to die as well is that the, the, it, the politics, the colonial power in Nigeria is governed by godfathers. Mm. You can't step, you can't turn left without asking somebody to get permission from the right people. We saw it with um, Gulak and Jonathan. They looted under his nose and he couldn't say a word. He was, he was younger, relatively. He was like in his 40s, 50s. Mm. He was educated. He was like the first educated um, prime minister of every place that we had, I think. Because all of us have been military men. Mm. They all need to die, bruv, in my opinion. God forgive me. Like, I don't see what I'm trying to say. Mm. But when you go to the extent that you feel the best way to counteract young people who are asking for their rights, mm. you said it yourself that other countries are corrupt, but they're not, they haven't, their basic rights are, are still met. Mm. Even this country, bruv, even though we hate Boris Johnson and lockdown, whatever, mm, yeah. I can still go to school and not mm. pay a single dime until mm. a certain day. Mm-hmm. There's people that are my dad's age who haven't even got GCSEs. And that's the norm. So, so, so it's a lot of passion in what I'm trying yeah, to say. But yeah, um, yeah, in my opinion, yeah. they need to just fall down and die, bruv. And you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> and just to like, so actually say, I think the issue is the mindset of of theft and corruption has gener- has penetrated some of the younger generation, our generation. And I think that's also a problem. But how we solve that is another question. Uh. But yeah. Yeah, so, like, majority of Nigeria's population is under, like, 35, I think, or 45, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's so, the same stat. Yeah, 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 so we are a youthful nation, I but... I think in the whole of Africa, mm. you're the most youthful really? one, I think. Okay. I think I heard the numbers. I mean, yeah. I won't be surprised. We're definitely the, uh, one of the most populous countries. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot of young people, but our country is run by the 5%. So in terms of not five percent in terms of well five percent in terms of age, right? Like eighty, like people who are 70, 80, they don't make up majority of the population. Mm-hmm. So what we actually need is somebody who understands how times are changing and understands the way young people are thinking and what they need. Buhari set up a, a youth empowerment fund with Okadas and like motorbikes basically to train them to become young people to become drivers or motorbike like that's not where young people want to go give them laptops give them internet access they want to be tech entrepreneurs they want to go online and create stuff and sell stuff but when you have a government that doesn't understand the way the world is changing and the needs of his people that's where you get the tension so i mean another thing with nigeria like what you were saying about the godfathers is like all the people in power now, they already have younger people that they've been grooming so that when they step down, they are placing their boy there. Okay, and cool. their boy is going to answer to them and still deliver the mm. money that they need mm. to run whatever they want to run. So it's a really tricky situation. It's not just about, oh, getting young people in power. If the young people are associated with the old people, nothing is going to change, you know? So I think, yeah, we just kind of need the people who want to do good things. So for example, in these NSAS protests, we basically created a new Nigeria in the space of two weeks. Lawyers set up a nationwide um, network where they could bail people out that were arrested wrongly. Nigeria has never had anything like that before. Um, All of a sudden, we have a nationwide ambulance service that can be going all to the different states, all connected, helping people. Nigeria has never had that before. At the protest ground, there was food for people. Mm. Um, You know, they could charge their phones. There was, like, people were donating, donating, donating nonstop. So... 
And mind you, women were the one building all of that. So we have never seen. Just gonna, just gonna put that out there. <laughs> Shout out to Feminist Co. Right? They were the ones leading this new Nigeria through the protests, like what we basically created. They set up a call center where it's press one for healthcare, mental health, press two for um, emergency, press three for security. Nigeria does not have a nationwide helpline. So all of these things were set up in the space of less than two weeks. So we know it is possible. Mm. So what I'm saying is the people who want to do good, who, who have this mindset need to be the ones to get in power, whether you're young or you're old, you know, it's more about who wants to help change and how can we reclaim our country back? Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, on that note as well, what would your advice be to like people who want it from the diaspora, who want to get involved and who want to help? How can they help? I think speaking up about stuff is really important. Like in the president's speech, when he was addressing the country after the shooting at Lekki Tollgate, he said, he mentioned, oh, to our international friends and abroad, we, we ask that you basically mind your business. And, you know, so Nigerian politicians hate international disgrace. So one thing we can be doing in the diaspora is amplifying the voices of people back home. You know, the protest stopped in Nigeria, but people have still been protesting all around the world in different countries. That's amazing. Mm. I've got a question in regards to, yeah. to that. Um, in terms of like influence, um, so I think I'll give an example. In the, so in America, I think mm-hmm. um, Beyonce was at one point targeted a lot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when she didn't post anything with Nigeria, but then she made a whole Niger- uh, album yeah, with Nigerian yeah, artists. Do you yeah. think like more people from different countries need to speak up or do you not think that's not, it just could be the normal average person that's mostly... No, it needs to speak up. So like NSARS was happening for, like I was saying, 12 days before that big shooting at Lekki. Mm-hmm. But it was only at the shooting at Lekki that the whole world started tweeting mm-hmm. and posting pictures and things like that. We had been protesting for a whole week and a half before. Mm. So if people had actually supported us from day one who knows maybe lucky might not have happened like who knows how things would have Mm. ended up do you get but they only started talking about it when the craziest atrocity happened so i think it's so important for people who have a platform and influence to use that influence for good now do i think every single celebrity should speak about everything going on in the world no Mm. because nobody has the bandwidth for that even i don't talk about all the other things happening all around all around the world right but i think if you have a connection to a place like in the beyonce situation she made a whole black is king shot in different countries in africa had so many nigerians working on her team that's why i think her own was a bit more painful because this same year you are literally creating a documentary about Africa's richness and, you know, all of these things. But then when Nigeria, one of the biggest countries in Africa, really needs your help the most to amplify the message, you are quiet. Mm. Now, it was only when celebrities started tweeting about it that the news started picking it up. We know how the news works. Come on. If Beyonce tweets something, they will make that the headline because it's Beyonce and they know people are going to click because of Beyonce. So... 
I'm not saying we should treat celebrities like gods and they are the ones who are going to fix all our problems. Absolutely not. Mm. But we know how the system works. If Beyonce talks about something, immediately it is going to send millions of people to go and find out what she's talking about. It is going to make the headlines. So I think if you are a celebrity and you're connected with the country in a way or you just genuinely care about the place, you should use your platform to amplify the voices of those who cannot speak. So, yeah. Uh, I remember you saying something as well about, um, so you said, talk about it more, spread the awareness. Yeah. I've been in your article, you mentioned about research as well. So, is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah like, like do the research, but don't stay stuck in, oh, I'm researching for 10 weeks. Like, mm-hmm. no, you know, read the articles, do the research, like, understand what the problem is, and then get about speaking about it and sharing articles with people and things like that, you know? You don't have to be Nigerian to talk about these things. And also... A lot of what I said was, this is not just about Nigeria. This is about young people coming together to stand up for what they believe in, to speak up, Mm. to use their voice in a powerful way. This is about young people all over the world. Like I said, Nigeria is just setting the example. Once Nigeria wakes up, the rest of Africa wakes up. So many young people in Africa were inspired by what us young Nigerians did around NSARS, you know? Mm. So that's, it goes back to it. If young people in Nigeria can shout out about NSARS, then all of a sudden young people in Angola are like, wow, guys, they did it. Maybe we can do it too. Then in South Africa, they're doing the same. And then before you know it, there's change happening on the continent. Mm. Um, So yeah, so it's so important to like have that unity and to speak up and and to use your platform because it sets such a good example for, for generations to come. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, that's actually, just, mm. there's so much to unpack. Yeah. I feel like we can be here for another, like, five <laughs> hours. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, on, actually, is, can, can you shout out that show you told me about a Netflix show? That's a really oh, yeah, good one, Oh, yeah, it's The Journey of an African Colony. Yeah. So, okay. it's a really, really good documentary on Netflix. On Netflix um, and it'll give you the history of how Nigeria was actually created. And also, like, a bit of a bit of history on colonialism. Um, and I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it was called, like, the African Conference, where all the heads of Europe were at a meeting in Brussels. And they took the map of Africa and they yeah, said, you take that. this country, yeah. you take that country, yeah, we'll take yeah. this, yeah, in Belgium, right? Yeah. And that's literally how they divided it up because they didn't want to start fighting against each other. Yeah. Yeah. Now, guess yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, no. no head of an African country was at that meeting. Mm-hmm. It was all the colonialist leaders dividing up the country to say, oh, I want this resource, yep. I want that resource, and dive in. So, it just... And these were the people who taught the Obasanjas, the Buharis, how to lead, right? These are the people. So this is what they've learned it from colonialism. And this same mindset is passed down from generation to generation to generation. So what we need is a complete overhaul of this sort of thinking where there's no accountability uh, and none of that. Like we said, there's corruption everywhere. But in the UK, you can't try this rubbish because you will lose your seat mm. or you will go to jail. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you know what? And I just think on that note, there's 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 because of time. But I remember there's yeah. we need. I want to say that on that point, 
Africa is not Africa by choice. Mm. We didn't say this is Nigeria, mm-hmm. this is Zimbabwe, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is this. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why if you go to any country in in Africa, there's so many tribes in one country. Yeah, mm. it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. because the, what they don't have the colonial masters literally separately yeah. made you Nigeria, make you mm-hmm, make you Somalia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. make you here. And so there's so much civil and conflict. Yeah, kind of thing. it was strategic because how do you take over a country? You have to divide Bad the people. Conquer. You have to divide the people. So what did they do? You come into a place like Nigeria. Okay. You realize uh, Igbo people were actually really, really smart. They were the ones who were university lecturers. They were the intelligent people, uh, like group, uh, tribe in, Ni- in Nigeria. Um, you know, Hausas were good for something else. Yorubas were good for something else. So what did they do? They separate everybody and then they put one group in power. And then they turn the other group against the group mm. in power. That's how you divide a country. And so they start fighting each other. And once people start fighting each other, there's no leader. Then you have to come in mm. and, and say, savior. I'm your savior. And that's exactly what happened with NSARS. Yeah. They send the thugs so that there could be violence. And once there was violence, they said, no, 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 no. We have to come in and, and enforce peace. Yeah. And enforce peace was killing people and taking charge of the whole place yeah man it's crazy a lot a lot a lot a lot but and like history is not even taught in nigerian schools the first time i heard about biafra war was like i think i don't even know but like when i really understood it was half of a yellow sun is that, is that a book or something? Yeah, yeah it was a book sort of as a book and a film is it chimamanda no no I think so, or maybe not. Let's let's see. Can I yeah, check? half half a yellow sun. That that was inc- that, and guess what? Yeah, Crazy. guess what? On Netflix. It's just when I saw it, yeah. But then I think sometimes they take. Yeah, it's by Chimamanda. On yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, um, no, it's not Netflix. It's a book, and then they made the film, but they didn't even allow that film to be played in Nigeria. Yeah. A film about the Nigerian Civil War. They didn't even allow this to be played. Also, guess who gave me this book, Half of a Yellow Sun? My white friend in school when I came to school in England. So I grew up in Nigeria mm. till I was 15 and then I moved to England. And it was one of my white friends in school said, have you read this book about the Nigerian Wait, Civil War? It's actually a big film. It's got John Boyega in it. Yeah, it's huge. It's on Netflix. Nice. Yeah. No, it's, it's Amazon Netflix. Prime still. Oh, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, fam. Still. They got this guy. Um, I don't know his name. It, this guy is a big, big yeah. actor. Oh man! Yeah, yeah he's in it. Ch- Ch- Chiwell. Yeah, Chiwell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. 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 That's how I learned about this book and the story. You know, all I had was, oh yeah, there was a civil war in Nigeria. Yeah. Full stop. Um, that's it. There's but not this much. was where I actually learned about how it was, and it was a British friend that introduced me to my history as a Nigerian crazy so they do all of this intentionally you block out their history same thing colonialists did yeah you destroy their history so they don't know where they're from they don't know what's happening so they can't fight back they you know so everything seems new and they can't fight back and then and then you divide the people yeah but you know what? I feel like, like I said before, there's so much we can talk about again. <laughs> and maybe you have to come back as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. but like yeah. to wrap up the episode kind of thing, it's been your boy Sam. Oh, it's your guy Hobbs. Yeah. It's your girl Tiwa. Yeah, so guys, subscribe, <laughs> let like, us know what you comment. think, comment. And yeah. It's been a crazy it's one. It's been a crazy one, educational one, man. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Peace.